I want to uh, spend some time. You know, sometimes I t- put down notes and I look at them and go, this is so uninspiring. I don't even want to read them. Um, so I'm not sure I will. I want to speak uh, this morning or spend some time going from Genesis to Revelation. And why would one need notes? So, we're going to do that. Because one of the things that uh, we're thinking about, or I've been thinking about and will think about, is what I said at the beginning is, you know, what's the point of gathering together and what are we about and what are we doing? And um, we'll get to the reading out of Timothy in a minute or not. I mean, the foundation, you know, I thought that maybe I could ask you, you know, if you could have a father, who would you like it to be? Him to be. If you could pick anybody that you know of, who would you like him to be? And you can't say Johnny Depp. Or, you know, well, maybe you can, depends. But I'm talking about father now. Depends how old you are. And why would you pick them? And why, why would you select them? Who would, who would the, what would be the criterion for the father you would select? It might be um, money. It might be uh, the adventures you could have. It might be some quality of character. But I think you might find that when you identified an, a, a person and you were said, okay, you're the son or daughter of this person now, something would change inside you. You might go, well, now I can do this. Or they have influence. So if Bill Gates was my father, I wouldn't have to worry about my finances anymore. And if Bill Gates was my father, man, he's got clout. So if I just say I'm Johnny Gates, you know, Bill's my dad, people will take notice. And people who wouldn't even talk to me before will probably call me. Call me their friends. And I'll say, you, my friend? You wouldn't even talk to me before. I'm trying to to get a a launching pad for saying that who we are is so dependent on how we see ourselves. And our identity is so crucial to our peace of mind. We were watching, or I came across a uh, I Am Second uh, testimony from an NHL hockey player. I can't remember his name. They put up these testimonies pretty much every month at least. And, uh, you know, he was talking about the Canadian dream and the, you know, being a member of the NHL and the hockey team. And, and by 19, he was signing big checks. And uh, He had grown up in a Christian house, but he said, you know, he went off to college and the normal story, the, the hockey was the thing. And then he, he hung around. I mean, it's such a, uh, such a predictable script. But he's, he's, you know, Justin Bieber is living that now. It's the most predictable script. Send a very rich 16-year-old, 17, 18, 19, 20, to Los Angeles. And don't be surprised if they're running, racing fast cars, getting arrested, and eventually either kill themselves or go into rehab. It's just what we offer. It's the most crazy culture where, where people who hit hockey pucks or sing songs become the celebrities who speak into our culture with almost no wisdom at all. But we worship the soundbite. We worship it. And so there's an element where we even start praying to God like that. 
We kind of go, God, please do this. And he goes, done. And I go, I didn't feel anything. And so we go away and look for another quick fix. And God isn't into quick fixes. Sometimes he does. Um, so I'm going to, I must remember that. Um, if we go to Genesis. And God has created Adam and he's created Eve. And they walked in the garden and he said, don't eat of the fruit. You know the story. Because he had to place in that place of paradise or perfection an opportunity for you to express your free will. He says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, the snake slithers in because the snake has already got free will and the snake has already fallen in the form of Satan. And, he's, and he, he is able to access anything uh, at this point that God gives him a, a, a allows him to and what God uses Satan for is like a training dog he sort of says go and see what you can do I'm going to their parameters on that but in a sense they have to be able to exercise freedom and so the, the, the very first thing that Adam and Eve and they've had this perfect relationship with God and they're the only ones so there's no one to be jealous of they were, they're in this garden and they they, 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 they tantalized by this this um, this tree and God saying don't eat of it it's like you know we could have done a test today and sort of put wet no, wet don't touch wet paint on the pillow and we'll all touch it to see if it's dry yet or many of us will and there's an element of, of the snake starts saying starts speaking to them and I was thinking about this saying well what was it like to walk in the garden with God who did they walk with? Could they see anybody or was it just a presence? He just felt his presence and he talked to them. But the snake had a form. It was visible. And all it did was say, why don't you try the fruit? He didn't say anything about God being bad or God. He just said, why don't you try the fruit? And then they said, well, we were told not to. And he said, well, then, he's, they, then he starts saying, he just didn't want you to have what he has. And he creates doubt, and before long, they're reaching for the fruit. And as soon as they've reached for the fruit, as soon as they've actually taken a bite, that was the first sound bite. But it wasn't a sound bite. It was an unsound bite. As soon as they, they did the act, something came over them. It's called guilt. It's called Sin, it's called rebellion. It didn't feel like that to them because to them they were just actually seeing what happened. But as soon as they did that, there was this massive chasm that came between them and God. And nobody had to say anything to them. The snake disappeared. The snake always disappears. And God comes into the garden and Adam and Eve are nowhere visible to be found. The first question in the Bible is, where are you? Genesis 3, where are you? Now, God is not saying, man, I don't know where these guys have gone to. This really has got me. He doesn't say that. He knows exactly where they are. And Adam and Eve are hiding, and they're afraid. And they haven't ever experienced fear before. And they haven't ever experienced separation before. And they didn't see it coming. But now it is. 
And God says, uh, where are you? And they, 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 they say out from behind the bush, well, <laughs> you know, we, we, we ate the fruit. and um, or, or Adam says, Eve made me do it. And Eve says, well, Adam did nothing. And Adam says, well, I didn't know. And Eve says, well, you should have. You were here first. Blame, 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 hide. And then they say, and we were told that we were naked. So we're ashamed. The second question in the Bible is, uh, who told you? And really, that's what we want to think about this morning. Where are you? And who told you? It's interesting that God asks them questions. Because what I want to pull out, I've talked about this before, is, is, you know, God asks questions. Jesus asked questions. God asks the questions to the, he knows the answers. But he asks questions so that we will know the answers. And so God walks in the garden with these guys and then he comes to look for them and he asks them the questions so that they can actually identify what's happened and who's responsible and also experience his grief as he has to say, well, we have to work out these consequences now. Between Genesis and Revelation are the consequences of people saying, let's just try this anyway. And a God who loves and loves and loves saying, oh, I wish you hadn't because you don't see what's falling out of that. Somebody told me that I... Was going to happen, nothing was going to happen that was good in my life. Somebody told me that I wasn't good looking. Somebody told me. We're all sitting here with a whole lot of stuff we've been told. And it's not bringing us life. Somebody told me God is a waste of time. Somebody told me there's no hope, don't expect anything. Somebody told me that I should settle for this. Somebody told me that... I, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm a, a troubled child and I went to the doctor and they gave me a label and now I live under my label. I don't think in anywhere in history do we live at a time where we live under such curses of labels. Everyone has to have a label. You have to be part of a minority group and if you're not, you'll start hitting the wall so you can be part of the hitting the wall minority group. We live with that kind of negativity. We live with that kind of, this, this, I need to belong to something so I can be part of a support group. I'm talking very broadly, don't get offended. Well, you can get offended if you want, I don't really care. Um, I'm talking about the human condition and what we do. And God's question is, so who are, where are you? How many of you got prophetic words? Put your hands up, please. So there are a lot of you that didn't take heart. Been mulling over this and I think God wants me to share something with you that's probably going to tick you off, but we're on one of those days where it doesn't really matter. It's like Graham Cook saying, I'm going to say this in the nicest possible way. No, it's not, it's not that bad. It's just... What if, when God walks in the, in the garden and then eventually he sends his son into the world, he's trying to say something like people need people to walk through this life. 
that when they had my book or when they began to work with rules and laws, they ended up getting very, very screwed up. The whole Old Testament is a, is a, is a battleground of hearing God and what's God saying and people controlling. And when God sends his son, his son comes in skin to talk to people and to be able to say to them, this is who God is, this is what they're like, and they kill him as well. But what if God actually values human beings and their relationships with one another? And what if God, when he was walking in the Garden of, uh, Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Eden, was modeling something where he says he comes into this garden, he doesn't send an angel, he doesn't send an angel to Adam and Eve and say, um, Behold, my name is Gabriel, you have screwed up mightily and you are out of the garden. He doesn't put them into a deep sleep and have a dream. He doesn't wait for them to have a sense of what's God saying to us now because I think we're in trouble. He comes to them and he starts speaking to them and he starts saying, where are you and who told you? What if prophetic words ultimately are meant to be given to release and propel people into things that God has for them. But primarily they're for uh, releasing into the world. Many more will come to know him. If you've got a prophetic word, let me suggest something to you. Go home and read it and ask a question. Because I read quite a lot of them. And what came up in me was I could have told you that. I could have told you that. I could have told you that. Not being smart. Read your prophetic word and ask God if he's been saying that to you through people for the last two years. And he eventually says, you know, I couldn't get through to you through all the people around you. So I had to send a woman from Costa Rica with a funny accent to speak over you so you got impressed. You see, I think God has gifted us with one another because he wants to use us to speak to one another. And encourage one another and share with one another and call things out of one another. And I think and the, the encouragement with that word, this word, is that if you didn't receive a gift of prof- a prophetic word, pay attention to the words around you. Pay attention and invite people's input into your life. And I promise you, you will get prophetic words through people who don't even know they're giving them to you. Where are you? And who told you? The answers to those questions could change our lives. You see, from Genesis, from the moment of beginning to be separated from God, we have become distorted and in a sense deformed. And our memories have gone shaking. We can't even remember where we come from. We don't know who we are. I was in South Africa last year and we went to a 60th birthday. And um, I was in a youth group. A long time ago. And we had this youth group leader. His name was... Um, he's not going to listen to this, I'm sure. Brian. And if you are Brian, you better pay attention. Um, and Brian was an athletic guy. He, would, you know, he was really encouraging to us. And he, was, he played lots of sport. And, I, and, and uh, I was standing in this group last year. I haven't seen people for 30 years. This guy walks in in a suit and tie. He was the only one in one. He's massive. And eventually he comes and says, hi, John. And I go, oh, my goodness. I didn't say this out loud. This is Brian. 
Brian, you've blown up into about three times the size you were. I know what you look like when that's all trimmed off. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. What if God's like that with us? Where he goes, you have become this. Whatever this is. And he says, this is who you were created to be. And this is what has happened. And I want to restore you. I want to actually make you new. Because everything we do tends to come out of our loss and sense of disappointment or sense of what we have to do with life and our own strength. And we've wandered away from being secure in God and being able to actually rest in Him. And so we've become disfigured. And so many of our troubles come out of our disfigurement. Does that make sense? What if God absolutely loves you, but in His love for you, He kept trying to draw you back to Himself and say, can I work with you? Will you actually come to where I am so that I can begin to lead you? And you're going to need people around you. When Jesus called people, He called them to, He said, follow me with them. Follow me with them. If you want prophetic words from God, if you want to hear God, begin to start calling on the people who are around you. What do you think? Ask questions. I'm just amazed how little we do it. I'm staggered, in fact, by how little we do it. We live in enormous anonymity, and we live in enormous privacy, and we live in enormous pain. Or we bang our heads against walls we could have avoided. What if God's love is such that he's continually trying to say, hear me, hear me, hear me. I came across a clip that was just very powerful to me, and I want to share it with you. It's, it's taken out of, there's a prophet in the Old Testament called Hosea. And Hosea, has, he's got a prophetic gift, and his prophetic gift is to live a lifestyle that will bear witness to Israel and Judah about the love of God. And he's told to marry a prostitute who's going to betray him. And he's got to buy her back and he's got to keep loving her. Because God's saying, I want this to be a sign to the nation of how committed I am. And so some people put it in dramatic form. And I think uh, we'll watch it and learn from it. I'm going to just get some coffee here. Just go up here to the coffee place and grab some. You're going to leave without saying a word, no goodbye, no nothing. I love you, you know. I do, no matter what, and you need to know that. Yeah, right. What do you mean by that? I don't mean anything by it. Yeah, what are you trying to say by doing that? I'm not trying to say anything. Sure you are. For real, I mean, what is there to say? I've been cheating on you. You want details? Is that in details? Just slow down, please. Just go out and grab a cup of coffee. That's all you I'm You really asking. need to stop forgiving me like this, Jimmy. I'm leaving. Lisa. Lisa, please. No, here. Here's your ring. Would you please just take the ring? Come on, Lisa. After all those nights I waited up for you, you can't give me the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee? Jimmy, please. Just a cup. No. A single cup of coffee, that's all I'm asking. What is it with you and the coffee? You make it sound like salvation or something. 
I don't want coffee. Would you please just take the ring? Why don't you just take it to a pawn shop and hawk it or something? I'm not taking it back. You know, Jimmy, it's not just the infidelity. Your birthday? I wasn't at work like I said I was. I was with somebody else. Somebody else? You know what I mean. That pocket watch I gave you? I didn't have time to go get your gift. So he gave it to me. That was his watch. Maybe you ought to give that back to him. Can't you see what I mean? I tried to be a good wife to you, I did. But there's something wrong with me, I can't do it. And you're a good man, Jimmy, you deserve better than that. I don't want better than that, I want my wife. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> no, you cannot love this. Nobody can care for this. stupid that I can't see that you're a walking contradiction and why can't I love you it's my heart it's my love I can do with it what I want I can love my mother I can love watching bees suck nectar from a flower and I can love your eyes when they're desperate and lonely like this. It's mine. I'm allowed. And right now, I invest my love in you because that is who I am. I'm your husband. I'm the man who promised you through thick and thin. And if you could feel those words in the way that I mean them right now, you wouldn't question whether I'm capable of loving you or not. You would say he loves me that much. I'm only asking for a cup of coffee. That's Hosea and Goma. That's God's love that uh, continually cries out. The trouble is, in this kind of environment, you know, we might not be that radically separated in terms of the behavior, but there are lots of ways to hide. There are lots of ways to prostitute. There are lots of ways to just say, you're not having this. And that's why God relentlessly pursues but he always relentlessly pursues through people. Because people and relationship is where truth gets revealed. It's really, really easy to talk ourselves into things that are negative. It's really easy to disappear and say, well, I'm just working on this. It happens all the time. We see it all the time. Relationships are where truth comes to the surface. Relationships are where Either curses are cemented or healing is released. 
where we get to look into each other's eyes and say, where are you? And who told you? Who told you that there's no hope? Who told you that you can never be free? Who told you that you failed one too many times? Who told you that nobody likes you? And we get to be what Jesus did to Lazarus, where he says, roll away the stone. There were people everywhere. Jesus could have done that on his own. But there were people all around, and he said to Mary and Martha, you roll away the stone, because he gives us things to do. And he might say, you go and ask them, where are they? No, that's too politically incorrect. God is not politically correct. He asks you questions. Who are you? Where are you? And the one thing he will not receive from us is blame. He will just go, when you've finished, I'm going to still ask you the question. Because I don't speak to victims. I want to call you up into a place where you will actually receive the love that I'm going to actually insist on pouring out over you. And so he calls Lazarus to life. And then he says to the people around, as he shuffles out in the grave clothes, he says, now you help each other take grave clothes off. You didn't come clean when you became a Christian. You don't become perfect just because you do a Bible study. You don't become perfect by coming to church. None of us are perfect. We're all a work in process. And all I know is that if I don't keep company with people, that process doesn't happen very well. So you don't need, we don't need to book Ivan and Isabel to come in three years' time so we can hear what God's saying to us, even though we will if they let us. We just actually need to be present for one another. And God will speak because much of the stuff that he wants to work out in us and through us is actually quite obvious. And it will come out with a question or two. And when it comes out, it begins to be able to be resolved. It's not complicated. And we have to be able to experience together when I actually go, this is where I am or this is what I'm struggling with. There's no rejection. It's going, yeah. I'll share my story with you and you can share yours and we'll learn together. Does that make sense to you? It's, it's, I think we can get too spiritual. God is very spiritual through very ordinary because he's wanting human beings to be present for one another so that actually we can release one another into something. And you see, you, do not, you know what Jesus looks like. Jesus in us is very, very visible. Jesus in us causes us to speak out. He causes us to worship. He causes us to love unconditionally. He causes us to forgive. He causes us to have extraordinary hope. He causes us to be gentle and kind and good. He causes us to be all the hallmarks of who the Spirit of God is and the kingdom of God is. Everything that does not bear witness to that is coming from another kingdom. And the only way to defeat that kingdom is to declare it because it hates the light. That kingdom is like a nation of cockroaches. As soon as the light comes in, they all scurry away. Now, you can try and kill cockroaches one by one or you can switch the light on. And so you call people into relationship with Jesus and things change. You cannot bluff an authentic experience with Jesus. You cannot bluff Jesus living in you. That's why the questions are important. Who is behind the smile or the silence? Come out. Am I making sense? 
It's not meant to be negative at all. It's just process. It's how spiritual life grows and works and character is built. And that's how Paul comes to a place in Timothy where he says this, that we read earlier. One of the hallmarks of healing and who Jesus is, is in us is, is Paul's declaration. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Paul does not go around saying, I don't want to talk about it. Paul does not go around saying, how did you know? No, 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 that wasn't me. Paul declares who he was without God, even though he was following God. I was a violent man. I was a blasphemer. And in in other places, he makes these statements even more graphic, how he killed and he chased Christians. Why he says that is he says, because that is part of my story. And it is part of how I know that I need others around me. Because when I was in this place, under this circumstance, I got really, really ugly and wrong. But because of Jesus meeting me and then actually speaking to me through the, the, the early Christians in their stuttering, fearful way... transformation began to happen. And that's what I was, and this is who I am. And that's really where we all are. And when you, you know that you're not in the right kingdom, where there are things you're hiding. Hiding is a symbol (coughs) of (coughs) distance from God. God. It always is. Hiding is a symbol of distance from God. We call it privacy, and it's personal. It's just another word for pride. Because Jesus opens everything up. Everything up. And he says, you don't need to carry it. And there's absolutely no use in you keeping it a secret. Because the secret releases shame, which releases hiding, which releases distance, which releases something that's negative. So why would you want to do it? Because I'm scared of what people think of me. Well, what do you think they think of you right now? Little screwed up. Bit withdrawn, got a bit of an attitude. I won't show you my secret, I'll just show you my anger. See, we, we fly these balloons. And the balloons actually send messages, issues. And we trail these balloons, they're full of helium and they blow, right? We, we don't realize it. It's like, you know, did anybody tell you? It's showing. I'm not talking about it. But why wouldn't you talk about it when it's so obvious? I can't see it. God has come that we might have life. What I'm trying to say is that we are gifts to one another that enable the answers to our prayers to be released. That in the process of our relationships, God actually releases His life and healing and transformation so that we become what we never imagined we would become. So your freedom is directly proportional to how the relationships you have are free and finished. In Revelation, I said I'd get to Revelation, there are letters to the churches. And every single letter, there's seven of them to the churches, says, for those with ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, hear. You see, God is talking all the time. But not everybody has ears to hear. God is speaking to you 
in multitudes of ways, but we don't necessarily have ears to hear. If you read those letters, those letters have some positive things and they have some challenges. And in our relationships, there are positive things and there are challenges. And we need to have ears to hear all of it. Because all of it is what will bring life. And so I just want to encourage you to expect God and look for God in the ordinary and in the relationships you have. And I encourage you to not be isolated, to not withdraw, to not actually try and work it out your own. The chances are you'll take wrong roads. And you'll be surprised who God uses. I mean, he'll use some idiots, in your opinion. He will use some circumstances and times where you go, uh-uh, I'll hear you, but not there. Read your prophecies if you've got them. Ask the question, has anybody been saying anything like this to me over the last two years? And listen to God saying, so why weren't you listening then? Because I've got lots of prophecies for you. So, I mean, I could have given you a nicer one or, or a different one. I love you. I'm just trying to talk to you. Let's stand and ask him to work in us, through us, and around us. Where are you today? What's your posture with Jesus? Just a question. Hiding? Or oh, here I am, Lord. I want to be found or I am found. Or we're going for a walk and we're talking to each other. What he wants to say to us is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Holy Spirit, will you just quicken in our hearts a desire to respond to that love that we saw in that clip that just says, why should I not love you just because you don't think you're worthy? And so, Father, I just pray a release of revelation of your love for each person here. That there is so much more than we can ask or imagine that's available. And I pray, Father, that you release us from fear, the fear of being known. That we would actually be able to open up to our friends, the people around us. That we would be able to hear you through one another. That we would be inquisitive and curious to know what it is you're saying. And sometimes we won't be listening for anything because we don't think we need to hear anything. And God just plops something in and says, well, I've got something to encourage you with, and you weren't even expecting it. So just bless, Father, the release of your word through one another into our lives. Tell God right now what you want from him, what you, you would like to hear about. Give him one thing, one thing that you want to hear from him about this week. Because if you give him something specific, then you can measure it. And if you're asking the wrong question, give him permission to change the question. Don't, I, I'll just advise you, don't ask him for questions about information. He seldom releases it. But Father, I pray that we would know the presence of Jesus who will be with us as we go through our lives. And may your spirit release peace and expectancy and hope and joy because we are sons and daughters of the King. And Father, we break over one another the labels, the, set, the negativity, and we just release hope to believe for what we don't yet see. Thank you for the people that you've given us in our lives and our circumstances. And we pray, Father, that we would draw on them, pull on them and say, teach me, tell me, question. So that we could actually accelerate our growth with you and our relationships actually with them. So we bless you, Lord, that you've not made it complicated. 
And you've given us the gift of one another to walk in community together to know your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.